0: Hello and welcome, independent researchers, skeptics, and all of humankind, Shadow Citizen.
1: Welcome to Episode 5 of Shadow Citizen. Today's guest is Kurt Haskell. Uh, You can hear us live and chat with us at mixlr.com slash forward shadow citizen. We can also be heard on radioconfluence.com and from there you can take us with you on TuneIn and Xeno Live. Uh, You can also check out our archives and our upcoming guest at shadowcitizen.online. My name is Rob Osell and my guest is
2: Kurt Haskell and I'm the co-host I'm Rachel L. McIntosh and Kurt Haskell he's an attorney and he's going to be he is hopefully still with us online and he's calling us from Costa Rica he was unfortunately on the plane in 2009 when the botched uh, terrorist underwear bomber um, happened and he has since he went through a lot coming to grips with what he lived through. And then he, like I said, he's in Costa Rica. He's gonna be talking to us today. And I wanna talk to him about what he experienced and what exactly is a false flag because I noticed while he's down in Costa Rica on Facebook, he's been commenting quite quite a bit about a lot of the the news items. And he's saying that they're false flags. And I wanna know exactly what a false flag is and how people can identify this for themselves. So, if Kurt's here, I want him to say hi.
3: Hey guys, good to be here. Yay,
2: yay!
1: Kurt's here, right on. Hey, Kurt, <laughs> and uh, for our guests who might not be familiar with us, and for people that are listening in the archives, why don't you go first through your, you know, your story of what happened, uh, and just a quick rundown. Some people have heard the uh, story, but it's a good one, and you won't hear, hear it on the Wag the Dog media, so. <laughs>
3: Sure, sure. I'll give you a, just a real quick overview. I, I, pr- I could probably tell the story the whole time of the show, but I'll just give you a real short version. Um, my, my wife and I were on vacation in Africa, and we had a connecting flight back through Amsterdam. We lived in Detroit at the time. And uh, we, were, we we're waiting at the gate to board in Amsterdam, sitting on the floor playing cards, And I saw two men walk by. One looked like a wealthier Indian man, Indian looking man. And the other one looked like a poor African, um, looked like a late teenager to me, walking together. And they approached the desk and the Indian man was the only one that talked. And he said, this man needs to get on the flight, but he doesn't have a passport. And then the girl at the desk denied I uh, denied him boarding because he didn't have a passport. And then the Indian man said, well, he's from Sudan. We do this all the time. kind of argued with her. And then uh, she got on the phone and on her computer and referred them down the hallway to talk to her manager. And that's when I quit watching, just not thinking anything of it. And little did I know that about eight hours later as we started our approach into Detroit, that this same African man— would attempt to detonate a bomb, a supposed bomb, in his underwear on our flight. And he became known as the underwear bomber. And, uh, you know, when we landed, I told my wife what I had seen in Amsterdam. She didn't see it because we're facing each other playing cards and it would happen behind her. Uh, And we decided that we need to tell the FBI what we had seen because we wanted to help catch this accomplice in Amsterdam and what what started as us trying to help the police soon turned into the police not wanting our help and taking actions to discredit us and the media joined in the government joined in taking actions to ignore us call us crazy uh, things like that tried to destroy our reputation uh, FBI agents, came to our law office, tried to make me believe I didn't see what I did and things like this. And it started, it started me on a, a two year long, 2000 hour long investigation that I put into finding out what really happened to us, because we didn't think we were getting the real story from the government and the news media. And what I was able to finally determine was that the government, an undercover government agent Supplied the underwear, underwear bomber with a bomb lacking a detonator. And know, thereby knowing that when he lit it, it would just cause a small fire and not detonate, which could be put out by fire extinguishers, which is exactly what happened. And then this could be used as uh, a terrorist attack to ushering in the body scanning machines in the airports and could be used to get all kinds of funding for anti-terror programs, which is exactly what happened.
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh.
3: And, uh, you know, that's, that's basically, was, was basically my introduction into false flag terror. I, I had no idea that this sort of thing even happened, you know, before I was thrown into this. So that's a very, very short version of what happened.
2: Excellent rundown. I had, uh, Rob, just so you know, in the audience out there, I was very interested in um kurt's story because i used to work for the defense contractor that made the full body scanners that rolled out to all the airports like the next day it was literally two days later they were in all the airports and um i talk about that a little bit in my books security through absurdity there's a little part about that in there but i was very interested in wanting to know what kurt ran into because it was we couldn't move those things israel didn't want those things they didn't work and that's why it was so interesting to me to try to get in touch with him and since that time Kurt and I have like we know each other on Facebook or whatever so i just want to let people know that it's not like we're fast friends or anything but we know of each other um
1: Did, so the Rob, other yeah the other interesting thing and i hope this isn't just urban legend because i haven't followed up on it in a while but uh the head of Homeland Security at the time was Michael Chertoff, and is it true that he took the uh, revolving door exit and became one of the CEOs at RapaScan?
3: Uh, he was already at, at RapaScan and had left the Department of Homeland Security by this time. But yeah, he was, he was peddling the body scanning machines and could be seen all over the mainstream media in the days after the event, peddling those machines.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And basically, the machines were already built and ready to be shipped, and they were—they yeah, just they needed an event to be put at the airports, right?
2: Yeah, they couldn't sell; they could not sell those things. We were trying to sell them to Israel. Israel wasn't taking them because at that time, if you were standing with a baggy coat on or something, or clothes like jeans or something, the gun showed up on black as black. The background of the full body scan of like your body. Your body showed up as white. So if you have a black gun on a black background, it doesn't show up. Israel literally said, get the F out of here with those. We, we, this, this is a joke. And so where I worked, the company I worked for, we had literally hundreds of these body machine, full body scanners in the warehouse and we couldn't move them. And so right. then next thing, now we've got, we've got Kurt coming along telling us about what happened to him. And two days later, everything went moved. Everything started moving.
3: And not only that, there had been a bill in the United States Congress that had passed. It was waiting to be voted on in the Senate that would have restricted the use of body scanning machines only to secondary use. Meaning if you walk through a metal detector and set it off. That would be the only time they could mandate that you go through the body scanning machine then. They couldn't use it, uh, you know, as an initial screening device. So that, obviously that bill then did not pass after this incident. Uh, and
1: I think the punchline to this whole thing is that in all the time, because this event took place on Christmas of 2009, and since then those scanners have not stopped or, found, or detected a single terrorist yet, right? That's the best of my knowledge.
3: Yeah, not, to, not that I know of, no.
2: Yeah, no, I don't. I know that they've changed the technology behind the initial body scanners. Um, they're using a different type of ray because originally those really were cancer quasi. <laughs> they were ridic- ridiculous what they were doing to your body, the first version that they had. I don't know exactly what's going on with the version they have now. I know it's different. Um, but I, when I travel, I always just get the pat down: I say, screw it, go ahead, pat me down. I won't get. I won't walk through
1: it. Well, let's get back onto the whole thing. You know, Kurt, you've been busy ever since then because now you've decided that the United States has changed drastically from what we, you know, used to understand it to be. And now, you know, looking in from outside, you you've decided to follow the news and you have a, a way of detecting what you consider to be a false flag or not. So that's kind of your current uh, endeavor, isn't it? So you want to tell us more about that?
3: Well, yeah, you know, after what happened to me, to my wife and I, actually, but I was the one that actually saw everything that went down, I, uh, I started following all these ba- events that happened later in detail to see if the same sort of thing was going on. You know, I'm talking about Sandy Hook and, uh, you know, the Batman shooting and, you know, some of these airport events like the LAX shooting the Fort Lauderdale shooting um um Cup Community College I could go on and on I follow them all I follow them all in great detail because I want to see if the same sort of thing is taking place in these events and I just don't watch the news or read the reports uh, uh you know here and there I read them all I watch all the newscasts I, I read all the news from all over the world I Look at all the witness statements. I listen to all the video of the witnesses and I try and put the evidence together. You know, I was an attorney. I'm not stupid. I know how these things should work if they're real and I know how they don't work if they're not real because I was involved in, in one of these. And I could, when I was involved in one and going through my two year investigation, I kind of figure out how the government does these things. How they, how they deceive the public, what sort of tactics they use. And as I look at these new events, uh, you know, I can see that pretty much all of them are at least partially fake, if not completely, completely created. And I, you know, I put together a, a checklist now of people, you know, of how you can tell if something's a false flag. People always ask me, well, how can you tell?
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: This event just happened 6 hours ago or whatever. You know it just happened yesterday. How do you know that's a false flag? Well, I know because I, I pay attention to these things and I have a checklist of things I look for. Things that so, you shouldn't you should not see if the event was real or All right, so let's hear some of that. That's what Okay, want sure. No, yeah. Sure. Okay. Now, in a real event, you may have a you may have a couple of these things, but if you start seeing maybe like 5 or more you can be pretty sure it's a false flag event, and some of them are are all I need to hear. For instance, um, you know, one of the perpetrators yells "Allahu Akbar." That's all I need to hear. If that's reported, if that's reported, it's a false flag event, one hundred percent, one hundred percent fake, or at least mostly fake. So, um, but some of these other things, okay, the perpetrators had recent arrests where they've gotten lenient sentences or were released without charges. Okay. The government was warned of the attack and did nothing to stop it. Uh, and here's here's a very early on one that's very telling. Key eyewitness accounts differ on the, de- on the details from the official version as reported by the news. That's mm-hmm. very telling early on. Yeah. Uh, The perpetrators don't go to trial. They're either dead or they escape. Or if they do go to trial, it's some sort of show trial like we saw with uh, the Boston bombing and uh, more more recently with the Charleston church shooter, Dylan Roof. If you were paying close attention to those trials, you would have seen that their own attorneys admitted that they're guilty in their opening statement of the trial, the very first sentence of the trial. That's what I mean by a show trial. It's just not a real trial. In real life attorneys don't do that.
1: It, isn't it also that most, a lot of these people end up being represented by the same lawyer? That uh, it's... yes. Oh my yes. gosh!
2: Yeah, I noticed that too.
3: Yeah, there's actually two. Uh, Judy Clark, and uh, she has a sort of partner, and his name is escaping me. But he was involved in the the Boston Marathon trial, as well as the Charleston church, church shooter trial. Both of and they, those were and they,
2: and they just cruise around the country, like doing these, what you're calling,
3: kind of <laughs> right. trials? It's, I mean, it's ridiculous. You know, I was an attorney. I never did I see anything like this, where people f- fly around the country just to lose trial after trial after trial. I mean, come on. If, if you're going to be flown all over the country, shouldn't you at least be good? <laughs> I mean, wh- I mean, what's going on? What's going on here? You know, they, they never win any trials. Why, you know, it's the, and it's the government picking these people for, the, mm-hmm, for these defendants. Mm-hmm. So they're picking these same attorneys all the time. And if you look at Judy Clark's clients, I mean, there's a long list of very, uh, what do I want to say, highly suspicious people. Where it looks like all she does—not all that she does—but she represents many people involved in false flags, like uh, the Atlanta Atlanta Olympic Park bomber. Uh, you know, I already mentioned the Boston Marathon bombing.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: I think she was involved in the uh, the was it the Batman shooter or maybe Gab, Gabby Giffords shooter? One of those out there. Uh, Ted Kaczynski the Unabomber I mean it goes on and on and on
2: so you're saying Mm -hmm. all of these events that you just mentioned you believe to be false flags
3: at least some of them some of the story is fake yes
2: okay so if 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 not all of it okay now since I I live right in Rhode Island which is very close literally like an hour and a half away from Boston um okay so the Boston Marathon thing's pretty hot topic around here um Mm -hmm. You are thinking that that's a false flag. Now, is that the yeah. whole event, or it was? What's your what's your overview of that can, from your uh, perspective? Can I jump in the, the just? Silent.
1: Can I jump in just briefly here, because just in case we have people that are you know sort of new to this, and we've been throwing around false flag a bit, and so the the origin of this term, as far as I know, you know, goes back to the ancient days of uh, sailing vessels. And when pirates uh, roamed the high seas and uh, when they would you know, come across another ship, you know, at a distance away, they would run up a friendly flag that was, you know, a flag that looked like they're from the country of the same origin. And that way that they could get close enough to board the other you know ship and you know once they got within striking distance they had run up the the jolly rogers or whatever but that's you know as far as you know i i know this is kind of like the origin of of false flag uh so i i just wanted to point that out and and i know that you know you mentioned earlier about uh the the terrorists always yelling ali akbar and this is something that kevin barrett always uh talks about too it's not even the right terminology that, and he, i forgot what he says but it's you know, uh, Allah, you know, is, uh, well, I can't do the translation, but there's like two sentences missing from that. Instead of just saying Ali Akbar, they should be saying more to it for it to be correct. Anyway, back, I just wanted to interrupt in case we've lost but, some people. But I with forgot the, full- the
2: question, Rob. I forgot what we were talking about. <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: oh, we were okay. talking about Boston. We were talking about Boston. the Boston, Boston.
1: bombing. Yeah, yeah, the Boston
2: bombing, because, and just so you know as well, the wife of the Boston bomber, she grew up in the town I'm living in right now. So literally people went to high school with her. Okay. And it's interesting what happened to her within the media and how she was handled with, during this, um, the trials too. But continue, you continue on from your point of view.
3: Because okay, sure. it's really, really interesting. So, uh, you know, interestingly enough, my cousin was actually at the Boston bombing and was across from the se- second bomb. Uh, but left just a couple minutes before it went off. Just, uh, just an interesting tidbit. Doesn't really play into uh, what I'm going to talk about, except that she's a nurse and volunteered to help, and and they said no, we don't need you. Which is a little interesting. <laughs> yeah, it is. Anyway, anyway, um, the the good evidence for the Boston bombing has to do with the first bomb that went off. With the second one, there's not as many pictures, so it's a little harder to decipher if the second one. Was legit, but the first bomb—the first bomb—was merely a firework, um, uh, you know, just something that shot up in the air and did not cause any kind of damage. There's there's really good video evidence of what went on at the first bombing, where you had people that were already amputees that participated in this event, uh, you know, and the the one the, the one guy that was greatly publicized I, I just can't remember his name. But he, he's, on the, he's on the ground, and you can see uh, in one picture that he's strapping on the very gory gory piece uh, of his leg that had veins sticking out of it. And he w- would be later wheeled off uh, in a wheelchair by Carlos Arredondo, uh, who just happened to be there in, in a cowboy hat, which you know doesn't make sense. He's not any kind of medical personnel or anything. But anyway— you have to look at all the pictures, because what it shows is that they use props. One lady is walking around, spreading blood around in, um, from her purse. She actually has a, um, like a little hose hanging out mm-hmm. at the bottom of her purse,
0: mm-hmm. and mm-hmm.
3: The, the blood pack was in her purse, and she's intentionally walking around these people dropping blood on or around them. Um, you know, some people have ripped up clothes, but no injuries underneath, which doesn't make any sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, it's it's just it's a complete joke, uh, you know. And you can see they what they what they did is they use skin colored sleeves. It's one of the props they use, and they they put them over people's legs. Mm-hmm. And these skin colored sleeves emit blood out from underneath of them, but they screwed up in a couple places because they didn't put the sleeves on tight. And in some of the pictures you can clearly see the sleeves uh, mis mispositioned, which makes it very obvious what was going on so anyway, the evidence is extremely strong that at least the first bombing was completely fake the okay. second the second one I'll withhold judgment because some of these events uh, people actually are killed like I was saying earlier some of them are partially fake and partially real some of them are completely fake so
2: and the, uh, the reason being for this to actually happen is to do what? To, in, in the Boston Marathon, it was to, to make us afraid of Muslims again, or was
3: it? Well, no. What they're, see, what they're doing is they're, they're doing Department of Homeland Security drills just to mm-hmm. test their procedures. This was another drill. Right. In this, one, in this one, they wanted to test out locking down a whole city kind of a martial law drill, if you will. This was okay. the big fir- the big first test that they wanted to do for a martial law drill in the city of the size of Boston. If you remember, they shut down the whole city. Yeah. Uh, looking for these guys, you know, yeah. and I and I didn't even get into the absurdity of finding uh, Zokar Zarnov in a boat and he just happened to have a felt tip marker to write, uh, you know, his confession on the inside of a of a boat, uh, you know, in the dark you know, and write it clearly so everybody could see it. And he was shot in the throat and he couldn't talk for a couple of days until he was ready to confess. And if you think about it, it's extremely absurd. Well, that, you know, that, if you sit back and and take a, a full view of what would happen, it's just not believable.
1: That was one of the indications for me. You know, you talked about the guy in the wheelchair, and I, was, I want to add to that because if a guy's had uh, his leg blown off, The last thing you're going to do is, you know, set them up in a wheelchair and wheel them across, wheel them around for a while because you'll bleed out almost instantly. That's what several surgeons have uh, uh, commented on. And And
3: if you you look at these people, too, I mean, they're appearing at sporting events, you know, like 10 days, two weeks later. I mean, come on. They would have still been in the hospital recovering. And here they are, you know, looking great and happy and going to sporting events. It's uh-huh. it's just ridiculous.
0: Yeah,
1: the yeah. trauma of really losing is. a leg would not have you happy at a sporting event, waving to the crowd and being a hero. But you know, this is the other thing I, I mentioned. I mentioned uh, Rachel offline, but I was at the why when that happened. And I looked in, uh, you know, in the TV lounge, and all these people are gathered around at the Boston bombing, watching it. And I go, what happened? Uh, and it, oh, a bombing at the Boston Marathon. And I just thought, oh, you bastards. And I went and I swam, and I said, okay, Rob, don't jump to conclusions. And uh, and, you know, people are asking me about it. And I said, I don't know. It could be real. But then when I saw the 7000 troops in you know black uniforms, you know, sweeping the city, you know, within hours of the event, that's what really kind of tipped me off. So,
3: Right. And, you know, like I, I mentioned, my cousin was actually there and she said that I think it was her third Boston Marathon. Uh, that the police presence there was way, according to her, way over the top, way over the top, be, way beyond anything that she had seen at the other two that she had been to before this even happened. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, they knew something was going on. It was, it was a drill. It was a drill. You know, and, well, and I'm just, I'm just scratching the surface on the evidence. We could probably do a whole show. Yeah, I'm just sure, on I'm this. sure. There's,
2: yeah, just on that. Now, the yeah. other thing that seems to happen on all of these uh, events. Is that there's calls for crisis actors and yeah. that's like they're on Craigslist or something and working mm-hmm. for, for that defense contractor that I told you about I was familiar with crisis actors because we used to do um, crisis management and we would do um, movies like for training for be- this is before terrorist time really but it was you know movie for training of something happening at the workplace or something so you call these crisis actors so that's when i started to think about oh my gosh people would really roll in to yeah why not they take a job like that and they do they do
3: i mean it it sounds ridiculous at first but if you look into it at all you'll see it's true i mean there there's agencies that Mm -hmm.
2: there's really this
3: is all that this is all that they do there's one on the internet called crisis cast c-a-s-t that that's all they do they have these crisis actors for rent and they send them out with props and they look very realistic. Their injuries and, and that sort of thing. Um, so that and that's kind of what happened at the, the first bombing of the Boston Marathon. They had these crisis actors there faking injuries, and they were using people that had already lost their limbs, at least a few of them. Um, but you all another place you also see it is in the the interviews after these events. Many mm-hmm. of them are many of them are extremely fake from family members, friends, uh, eyewitnesses if you just sit and think about what they're telling you and what their emotions are, you can, you can determine that they're fake They're fake. They are actors.
2: Well, the other you know, thing that you... tends, yeah. And the other thing that tends to happen too, is I notice that everybody sets up some sort of like donate immediately. There's like a donation thing set up on Facebook or something. And well, then sure.
3: Go find it, me accounts. And, and there's
2: you a know, ton they're... of money all of a sudden moving around.
0: Right, I mean, it, right. people
2: out of the goodness of their hearts—they like they're feeling this. They're seeing it at, at home, and they—they're feeling it.
3: it it's it, ridiculous, you know. In the the UMCA Community College shooting, from I think it was twenty fourteen, yeah, or also known as Roseburg, Oregon shooting at the community college. Anyway, there there was a hero there. There was always a hero, by the way. Chris Mintz was his name, and he had three different versions of what happened to him. But anyway. Uh, you know, he claimed he had, I think, seven or nine bullet wounds from the event. Just something ridiculous. And uh, you see him in the hospital, pictures of him over a few days. And, you know, he claims he got shot in the legs or the arms, the hands. And you see him, he doesn't even have those areas bandaged. There's no damage. He does show that he had one injury. He lifts his shirt to try and show like a, a bullet hole uh, through his belly button. But uh, medical personnel that have looked at it said it's a, a scar from a hernia surgery. So it's just ridiculous. But he, the point I'm getting at is he had a GoFundMe account. I think he raised close to a million dollars. Oh, my gosh. Uh, over, over this garbage story, stories, I should say, because there are so many different versions. Uh, it was just ridiculous. Absolutely what about, ridiculous. What about
2: that guy? Remember the Mormon guy? who was at the Boston Marathon, <laughs> then he ended up at the French bombing, and then he ended right. up at the – it was like the guy was at three different terrorist attacks. Charlie,
3: I think he was at Charlie Hebdo and uh, the Bataclan in Paris, I think. Yeah, and, how does that and happen and to somebody? The, was it the Boston Marathon, the third yeah, one? Yeah, he was
2: there too. So his, yeah, his I, mother I mean, was running in it.
3: Yeah, that tells me he's either a crisis actor or he's – Tied to someone in the CIA that's setting these events up. I mean, that doesn't happen in real life.
1: That's a pretty good gig to have a multinational terrorist actor, actor, where you get to travel (laughs) to different countries, (laughs) put in a couple hours' work, and then enjoy the scenery for a week or two, huh?
0: Right.
2: I don't even want to joke about it, but it's, it's disturbing. Now, so we've got these crisis actors running around. The other thing that always happens is that there's drills going on, And Uh I noticed, of course, it's Sandy Hook. There were the drills. And of course, with the, um, what was the one San Bernardino? That was a drill
3: that was going on. They're almost all drills. They're almost all all drills. That's that's one of the things on my list, Um, my my list of 41 items I have. We only touched on a few, but yeah, that's one of them. There are drills taking place in the area because Mm -hmm. these are the drills. What they report as real is actually the drill. So, they're doing drills and then they're just reporting that it's a real event. That's what takes place in most of these. Now, let me say this though this changed back in 2012. It didn't used to be this way. Up till 2012, what the government was doing was they were uh, having undercover agents recruit low level IQ patsies, talk them into doing these events, supplying them with transportation and the weapons and then taking them right up to the point of performing their the event or uh, supplying them with dud weapons, as we saw in the, the underwear bomber and some other events, shoe bomber, things like this. Uh, but they changed in 2012 because in 2012, there was the passage of the NDAA, which legalized propaganda. So right. they no longer needed these patsies. Now, since 2012 and the first event with Sandy Hook, what we see is... Creation of entirely fake events. They're drill, they're drill, real life drills that are portrayed as real events since 2012.
2: Oh my god! Okay.
1: It's it's interesting how all this kind of carries over now into the you know the current campaign thing because we've seen you know, these reactions, these protests to uh, Donald Trump, and they all start out as kind of uh, peaceful, and you have this, you know, band of hooligans that comes in, you know, in the, uh, in the black outfits with the black bandanas, and they're carrying the, you know, they all have the same dowel stick, and they run around and start dumpsters on fire and break windows at Starbucks. But you, you wonder right. if the... Uh, the, the those, cri- are,
3: uh, those are George Soros people. And we saw that back in uh, it started, I think, in in Ferguson, Missouri, where we had paid protesters and uh, he does it through some of his organizations like the BLM Black Lives Matter group and and some other ones. And he pays them. You can sign up. I mean, he even puts one ads online. I think you make something like two thousand dollars a month and you have to agree to go to six events a year. So he, he was at, uh, his groups were at Ferguson, Missouri, also the ousting of the University of Missouri professor, or not professor, president, uh, at the uh, Republican National Convention, at the uh, swearing in of Donald Trump. Also, there was a protest, I think, in South, North or South Carolina, one of them, I forget, over a police shooting they were there, you know, and then the, the recent one in California, Berkeley, and I'm sure I'm missing some. These are all George Soros paid protesters, which is similar to what I'm talking about, but different because he's now, not did, actually part of the government.
2: Right. Now, didn't at Trump's inauguration, wasn't University of Minnesota, Well, who was singing? Who was that choir that gave such a beautiful, they were in their kind of pink plaid scarves,
3: Mm, not sure
2: was what it was a Missouri or Minnesota. It was one of those. We have to find out but their choir was singing his um, inauguration. It was beautiful. And then when you said it with that university, I think it was the same one.
3: Yeah, it was the, the incident I was talking about was a really underreported incident where the uh, there was a group, some racial tensions at the University of Missouri, but it was all concocted. It was through Black Lives Matter, Uh uh uh, where the the leader of the local group was trained um, in Chicago and used to work for Rahm Emanuel. But anyway, they they stirred up trouble at the University of Missouri and caused all this racial tension, which led to the president. Uh, I think he had to resign. I don't think he was actually fired. The football Mm -hmm. team wanted to play its games and all these different things, but well, that was, you know that was one of the things Soros Soros's group was involved in.
1: It's okay. one of the other tells that uh, you know the, the uh, online community will say too is that if if the event is orchestrated to the max, you know through all the major news outlets, it's probably a false flag. But if if it was uh, you know if it doesn't seem to get much attention, if it kind of gets buried right away, that actually might be a real organic event. Uh, any yes, on that's, this?
3: that's another uh, point on my list, on my list of 41 things. <laughs> it, Wait, uh, do you have
2: this published anywhere, Kurt, well, so people I've, can see it?
3: I've put it on Facebook a few times, you know, maybe yeah. once or twice a year, I'll put up on Facebook, Hey, just a reminder to my new Facebook friends that, you know, maybe didn't see this six months ago when I posted it okay. and you're wondering how I know something's a false flag so quickly Here's a list of things to look for, that sort of thing. Right. Yeah, because, you know, I've gotten so, what do I want to say, so experienced at tearing these events apart. I can usually pick them out sometimes within minutes even or within hours or, you know, a day or two would be long, really. You know, me being able to pick something out as a false flag. It's usually very, very obvious, very obvious.
1: I I think what's happened now that makes it harder for them to get away with it is just all of this social media. And now everybody's got their own uh, cell phones with cameras in them. And so everybody's always got something. And some of them are, you know, uploading live. So we've we've uh, it's sort of a double edged sword. You know, a lot of people say we're being tracked all the time with these devices. But on the other hand, uh, we, the aware public, are kind of using them as tools to get back at them. So.
2: Well, true, that's also true but
1: why,
2: it's also was, why they're inserting us inserting fake news on purpose to discredit people who are doing this sort of thing.
3: Yes. But, you know, in regard to the cameras, what you'll see, though, in these events is that they're carefully planned so that very little any, cell phone footage gets out. And a lot of times they'll confiscate the cameras like yes. You know, at the Umpca Community College shooting, there's no footage at all, all confiscated. At the Bataclan shooting in Paris, none. There's one still picture afterward. Uh, you know, the Orlando Pulse nightclub shooting, there, there's almost nothing there either. You know, you supposedly have a nightclub of 400 people, you should have 200, 300 videos maybe, but there's like three. Right. So you can see that they're they're planning people or confiscating their cameras. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm.
3: There should be a lot more footage than what we actually have. The you know the Fort Lauderdale airport shooting that that's the most recent false flag in the U.S. We had the one in Canada a little bit after that but in the U.S. You
2: actually was it your wife's friend or somebody related to you was there for that?
3: Yes, yes. Uh, A friend of my wife's was there. She was actually just, just boarded uh, her plane when it happened. And uh, she said they made them run like four different times that day saying, oh, there's another shooter, run, run, run. And then uh, what was the, the most interesting thing she said, though, was that uh, the authorities told them they were going to do a simultaneous drill and explode some luggage just for the heck of it, because now they had time and an excuse to do it. <laughs> After You know, in the middle of a crime scene of a supposed terrorist attack where five, six people died, I think. I forget what we're told. Uh, you don't do that sort of thing. You preserve all the evidence. And you, you, you know, Drills are, should be the farthest thing from your mind when you're dealing with a crime scene and potential murderers on the loose. Uh, many, many witnesses said there was more than one shooter. Not only more than one shooter, shooters in three different buildings and a parking garage were reported. Four, so four different areas at the same time. So it was, a, it was and, and another- the story,
2: And then the story that came out to the news said it was just this one person.
3: Right, right. This is a, another uh, another thing on my list is that, initially, multiple shooters are reported, but it will soon dwindle down to one sole perpetrator. That's another false flag. Right,
2: so that people can get their heads around who the bad guy is.
3: Yeah, just one one person. Yeah. And we saw that in Fort Lauderdale. And many other places, yeah. San Bernardino, Umpqua Community College, the list goes on and on and on, Pulse Nightclub.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. one of our associates, Jared, uh, over at Radio Confluence, his brother was in the Florida airport, and so he said, yeah, after they had the shooter uh, in custody, they heard bombs go off, you know, and so all of us are listening to this uh, interview that Jared did, and we're all kind of perking up and going, after they had the guy in custody? so
3: Right, Right. Well, that was probably the drill, so Yeah, what drill. he
2: was just talking about, his friend was saying, wow, that's yeah. incredible.
3: Yeah, we, we actually have uh, friends that live there near the airport, too, and uh, one of our friends was told at their gym by a girl whose boyfriend was there that he saw a shooter in one of the parking garages shooting. So that would make, you know, at least another person two shooters at a minimum but you know it was a drill it was just another one of these fake events where they schedule a drill and and say it's a real event
2: okay so back to one of my original questions so they they do these drills they -hmm. get it on tv they get everybody all wired up and i remember when the the very first one that got me really wired up of course was sandy hook that one just (laughs)
0: literally
2: ripped my heart out i couldn't I literally would look at my children and just be so, I would want to hug them every minute of every day because I was just so blown out by experiencing it through the internet. Um, What I noticed also is what ended up happening is people started to get desensitized to it. Like it used to be like this big outcry when something like that would happen. And now it's Mm -hmm. just kind of like a peep for maybe a couple hours at most. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's getting desensitized well,
3: to all San- this. Is that Hook part was... of
2: it too? They're trying to desensitize people?
3: No, no. Um, I think this, their tactics aren't working as well as they okay. thought they would. Okay. Um, Sandy Hook was the first big one since the passage of the NDAA that they entirely created. That was an entirely fake event, 100%. So, you know, right from the shooter... Uh, the shooter, uh, you know, we're told he had a brother, but there was only one person. I forget. I think it was Adam Lanza and Ryan Lanza, I think, was the right, brother. Right,
2: the brother in New York. Yeah. And
3: if you look back, there was a, a book done in Newtown, and it listed all the residents back in, um, the, I think it was the mid-90s. Okay. And for the Lanza family, it only listed one brother. I, I forget if it was Adam or Ryan. I don't remember. But what they did, what the government did, is they created a second brother, but there was only one. So it allowed for the, the killing of this fake person. And that's what they did with the shooter. Now, with the kids, so, the, you know, they killed a non-existent person, if you will, the shooter, uh, Adam Lanza. Uh, and then with the did kids, we ever
2: did we ever get to see him getting shot?
3: No, no. There's
0: no. no of course there's not. No, no video.
2: And we never and we never saw him getting rolled out on a gurney or anything like that. Not, no, no. All no, that,
3: All that was done at night, like two days later. I think they let you know they right. left. Supposedly left all these dead bodies in the school, and you know, it was a police officer, that said they were all dead. Not even a medical personnel. You know, and all their. Death certificates were sealed by the state, and it's just one anomaly after another. But what happened with the kids, what they did was really tricky. What they did is they took old pictures of kids, Mm -hmm. let's say that were maybe 12 to 14, 12 to 15 years old, at the time of the Sandy Hook shooting. But they took pictures of them, like when they were five, and Mm -hmm. said, these are the victims. And gave them different names, and if you look at the pictures of the kids in that supposedly died in Newtown, they have old clothing on. I mean, it doesn't fit the times, and mm-hmm. a lot of the, a lot of the, their school pictures are photoshopped. It's very strange. Anyway, that's what they did. So there were no kids killed there, and then these kids just went about living their lives because obviously they look much different as a fourteen-year-old than they did as a five-year-old. All the families moved in. Shortly before the event, and all moved Gee, out they shortly. They did. After.
0: It's
2: like they all kind of migrated there in. at once.
3: They were all given free homes. The event happened. They all left. So wait a you second. Know the how hit. do we
2: wait? How do you know they were given free homes?
3: It, it's in the property records of Newtown.
2: Oh my gosh.
3: They are all given free homes on I think it was the day of the underwear bombing event. Actually, Christmas Day 09. The records show that they're uh, all given free. Shut
2: homes. the front door. Really?
3: <laughs> yes. So this was two, almost three years before. So they move in, and by all accounts, the school wasn't even operating. If you look at all the pictures of the school, it looks like it was just used as maybe closed down storage for other schools. There was no internet use uh, going on for, I think, maybe a year before this event at the school. So it wasn't even an operating school. There were a lot of uh, hazardous conditions like black mold and things like this in school that wouldn't have been there if this was an operating school in a wealthy neighborhood mm-hmm. uh, and it's all documented so you know there there's no evidence that that anything took place there other than a drill the, the only yeah. evacuation photos we see are of what like 30 kids some still pictures and then it was proven that the still pictures were taken The day before,
2: Uh, were they having a fire drill or something? Like three
3: weeks before.
2: Oh, three weeks before, okay. Yeah,
3: several weeks before, and they tried to portray them as the day of the event. So if you Mm -hmm. take out those, we don't have any evacuation photos at all. You should have seen, like, thousands or at least hundreds of kids standing around. You hardly see any. And then,
2: of course, there was the the emergency personnel drill going on over in Bridgewater, which is kind of far away. Not too, too far away, but that's where all the emergency personnel were that day.
3: Right. I, every single thing you look at, if you look at it in detail, instead of just burying your head in the sand, scared to look at it because some kids died, it, it's all fake. Even, you know, graves of the kids popping up a couple years later. You know, wh- why was someone buried in 2014, one of these kids? Where, where was their body for two years, right? Mm-hmm. But if, if you look at the pictures of the cemetery, where quite a few of them are buried. I forget the name of it. The um, you know the grave sites just pop up here and there. Some of them weren't there in 2013, and then they're there in 2014. But there's no evidence the ground was even dug up. There's just a headstone.
2: So, this is such a know, tough just, subject. It really is very,
3: because yeah. here
2: in Rhode Island, I am right in between Boston and Newtown, literally. And I know people who know people. And it's not that everybody's saying, oh yeah, I know somebody who died. I've never met somebody that said I know somebody that died. But the people that I know are saying they know people who were literally touched by the event. Because so this must have been a real thing, not necessarily a real shooting, but... It was a drill. It, it was, yeah, it was a, a real thing that happened, yeah. And he- there's and, also, and I, I have to, I done. have
1: to jump in here right now too, because I'm going to put a little disclaimer here, because this is, this is one of those events that has people on both sides of it. As hard as it is to believe when you listen to like Kurt talk, but next week we'll have a guest who has a completely different uh, take on it. Deanna Spingola right, right, uh, right. says that it did happen, and she's putting the blame, you know, at the foot of the SSRI drugs. You know, she's uh, saying that. You know, the kid went uh, crazy and, you know, I think superhuman strength <laughs> because uh, what what did Rachel's, uh, was it your yeah. husband well, said yeah, that? The,
2: yeah, he said that he was, you know, he was an ex-Navy SEAL. And w- very first day that that happened at Sandy Hook, he was just like, there's no way that happened. And I was like, are you kidding me? I see it all over the Internet. And I was freaking out. He said, no, that guy is the size of a piece of, pe- he's so thin and that weapon is way too heavy for him and apparently he one of the one of the stories that was running around is that he had two sidearms on him and like a long rifle or something like a regular shotgun or something in the car and he goes this is this is just insane he goes i don't think this happened at all and he's not he's not one of those people that is conspiracy minded at all And I was just, are you kidding me? I saw, I was so freaked out. He was like, no, I don't think that happened. He goes, there's no blood. We didn't see any blood. I was like, oh yeah, okay.
1: So, there, there are so right. many anomalies. Like the guys running around in camo gear, you know, outside the uh, <laughs> thing, you know, and even on on the newsreels, they show these guys in camo gear running through the woods. And then, oh, he's got an alibi. You know, he heard of the shooting and he was coming to pick up his kid and the shortest distance was to run through the woods. Or, I mean, it right. is.
3: And then, and then you have the call of the principal, right, Don hoax sprung, and notice her name, at dawn the hoax is sprung, but anyway, she calls the Newtown bee, the newspaper in town, after she had died, supposedly, to report this. <laughs> just laughable. The official story, I think, is, is that she was the first one to die, and then, you know, about an hour later, She's calling New Town B describing the incident. <laughs> it's just, oh my God. It's laughable. It's yeah, laughable. Yeah, it was, it was
2: just such a, that, that incident itself was just such a malaise of the press. And then that's when I started getting like, all right, well, how is the press this discombobulated? And it's always this discombobulated when these events happen. It, it always is. That might be on the list, list for you too. It, the, the press is always like, they're messing stuff up.
1: One of one of the really weird tie-ins, uh, you know, that tie these false flag things together is the uh, uh, oh, the guy from the Aurora shooting, you know, the the Batman shooting. Uh, during the Batman incident, there's I, and I never did see the movie, but uh, I've seen it on YouTube where the commissioner is, you know, pointing at a map and there's a circle around where it says on the map Sandy Hook, and so that's yeah. like this weird right. tie-in and then apparently Sandy Hook is the home of the author of of the Hunger games is that true too so there there are just know. weird things going on all over the place but yeah. but if you look hard Man. enough you can make tie-ins you know and so yeah, uh, anyway
2: that's the other thing too when you get into this mindset you're like you start seeing all these possibilities that this very you know you could start and that's when your relatives start looking at you like you're crazy. They're like you're a crazy person. You're making too much out of these things. They just told us on the news what happened. Why are you making this into more?
1: Well, you, that's, you that that's why that, that's why Kurt's checklist is important. Because now, if you say that all of these, you know, incidents share similar, you know, similar incidences, that you can pretty much count them up. They're just part of the script of what they do. So, uh, kudos to Kurt for doing yeah, that.
2: Yeah, good, yeah, good job. I, you right. know, what I would like to do, I'd like to do an app like a disaster prediction app for a false flag event. Basically, if you're gonna travel to a city, is that city doing drills that day? It, you know, that's one thing. Has Craigslist put out a call for crisis actors in that city? And then you'd be like, oh, maybe I'll not go to that city this week. Maybe I'll move it to next week or something. <laughs> Literally, I think it's as easy as that.
1: Or maybe even more important is what kind of legislation does Congress have sitting there, you know, on the docket ready to looking to be passed, but they need something to... You know, it's this old uh, Hegelian dialect, the uh, problem, reaction, solution. They already have the solution in mind, some new law that they want to implement. And so they need to create a crisis that makes the public react. And then they come up with this, OK, here's the Patriot Act or here's the National Defense Authorization Act. So all of this is kind of predictable in in that way, too. So maybe we should be keeping a better eye on what Congress is doing, which we should be anyway. Right. but
3: Anyway, right. and it's not it's not always the same reason they do the events. You know, we saw some that had to do with locking down airline security and selling the, the airport security machines like the shoe bomber and the underwear bomber. And then we have the Sandy Hook line of events where they're going after guns for gun control. Uh, and then more recently, we had the big run of the, the ISIS in Syria false flags where they're trying to drum up support for bo- a bombing campaign of ISIS in Syria, which, you know, we, it, it seemed like in, uh, 2015, 2016, every single one of these supposed terrorists were tied to ISIS in Syria. You know, they would always find the ISIS flag,
1: mm-hmm. you know, and, and, in, and
3: the their in their Toyota's. home.
2: Yeah. And the white Toyota trucks going with flag. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
3: you know, like, uh, the Pulse nightclub shooter, and I, I think, uh, trying to think of some other ones, it, it, the two in Paris, Charlie Hebdo, and the Bataclan attacks, it, it goes on and on. They would search their home, oh look, here, here is a, an ISIS flag, or here is a, a manifesto saying they're part of ISIS in Syria, or, or here's an online video they did. You know that that says they were trained in Syria by ISIS. It's just so laughably fake. I mean, if you look at these things with an open mind, you'll start to see what's really going on. The problem is most Americans are completely brainwashed and don't have an open mind to see what's going on, or maybe they don't want to know.
2: I that's the thing. I have a feeling it's the, you see it on the news, and it's becomes not not saying that this news is entertainment for people, but I think it. Does become something to talk about with people, and it makes people bond. So if they can kind of get their heads around the episode in the same way, it kind of makes them gel up as a group. And um, then when somebody comes in and says, "Wait, that doesn't even make sense," it disturbs that group mind think.
3: That's what I. Yeah, but one thing I was thankful for for the election last year is that the news and the government were kind of been exposed as liars.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're,
3: you know, they're pushing a lot of things that people could see that were obviously lies.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And people should be able to put two and two together and think, you know, hey, if you're reporting this as a lie, then maybe some other things you're reporting as a lie, too.
1: Well, one mm-hmm. of the things that just made my heart sink was when they, you know, they said they tossed Osama bin Laden, you know, over the side of the ship into the <laughs> ocean. I mean, who would do that? <laughs> you know? Right. No proof. Yeah, n-
3: no who- picture of his body. No. They but- did, they did a DNA test out in the, you know, the middle of the Middle East in like three hours and said it's him. Well. <laughs> And they, you know you have it. You have his family DNA to match up, or his DNA. I mean, come on. And,
1: and that's one of the things you know that one of the special oh. forces guys allegedly said was that we have uh, a a piece of his sister's brain in a bag with us, and so we were able to compare the DNA. No, it doesn't work that way. You can't take and look at the two brains side by side and say, oh, yeah, ah. they're related. <laughs>
2: well, the other thing, too, the, another thing that always happens, too, is they destroy the evidence. They knock down the nightclub. They knock down the yes. school. They knock down the building, and they rebuild it.
3: Adam lands his
1: home. His right,
2: Adam home. lands his yes. house. They blew that one over yep.
3: Yeah, one thing after another. Yep, you're absolutely right.
1: We we went through this with Chris Emery too, the Oklahoma City uh, bombing yep. that they the they tore down you know the mural building and all of the the landfills. I guess four different landfills were you know are still heavily guarded. You can't get in there and get samples of the stuff from that building. So yeah, destroy the crime scene. Uh, 9/11 too. They just you know scoop yes. and threw everything you know everything all the steel went to. Uh, China.
2: China. <laughs> yeah, get that boat rolling. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: So yeah, I I I've got this dream of uh the the people in China's you know doing the uh, the crime streams. St- Crime scene reinvestigation where they actually took all that steel that was shipped to them and they reassembled it on the ground like they do with you know uh, crashed aircraft and that, and they got pictures of them and all that stuff is saved someplace in China. But nah, it's getting all
2: redone until like and now it's getting shipped. Now it's home. De- it's over at Home Depot now. Yeah, I'm sure, <laughs> it's probably sold as like bit parts or something else. Oh man. Man. Uh, it's looking like we got to wrap up. Yeah,
1: Rachel, we went right through your color tie that's report. Okay, How are right, we going to do okay. that?
2: <laughs> I know. It's, 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 <laughs> this was much more gripping, believe me. Uh, the main thing with the tie color report this week was that everything went to polka dots. No longer was it stripes and colors. It wouldn't matter the color, really. We went to polka dots this week, but I'll tell you about that next week. No big whoop. Um, but th- I want to thank Kurt for being with us. Kurt, this was awesome. Thank you for doing this, and thank you for... Thank you for just being you. Thank you.
3: <laughs> no problem. Anytime you guys want me on, just you know, just let me know. I'll be glad to come back. And yeah. if you
2: do have that list of items that people should look out for, maybe you could give me the link to it, and I'll post it under because we're going to turn this into a YouTube and VMO and all that stuff, and I can okay. kind of post it under that if people. Yeah,
3: I'll uh, I'll send it to you on Facebook.
2: Okay. A- all and right.
3: you That's can so post good. it. So, I'm am actually working on on a book right now, the history of false flag terror. That's going to be out in a couple months, and I'm going to include nice. it in that in that book too.
2: Nice. So okay. we'll definitely yeah. pump that book when it comes out. That's for sure. People will be interested. Okay, great. All right.
1: And uh...
2: so. Rob, you got anything else you want to say before we do our,
1: our intro song? Yeah, we didn't get to talk to our audience. We, we appreciate them being in there. And Swagger Prance, who has a part-time job at a college library in Southern California, talked about there was a drill going on right during this uh, broadcast. But they, she also typed in that it had concluded, and so apparently nothing has happened there. So we
2: safe. That's good. <laughs> yeah, so. All right, right on. That's
1: good. All right. But otherwise, yeah, you know, I, I thought Rachel was trying to give me some ideas here uh, on the on her uh, <laughs> choice of this tune. So it's by Sum 41 and it's called uh, Fake My Own Death. So here I we go. I thought it went
2: well with this whole topic. Uh, <laughs> right. Thank you so much, Kurt. Have a great day. No problem.
1: Yeah, you too, thanks, guys. Kurt. Have a good one. We'll see you. Bye, Bye now. Thanks, audience.